Cards win! The Cards win! They walk them off! The Cards win! And they see new life here in Omaha! You're listening to the 3rd and Central Podcast, powered by the state of Louisville. Now, here's Matt McGavick. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the 3rd and Central Podcast, a Louisville baseball-specific podcast hosted on the State of Louisville Network. Once again, I am Matt McGavick, Deputy Editor of Louisville Report on the Sports Illustrated uh, Team Channel and Network, joined by co-host Matt Sikovich of the Cardinalsports.com Rivals Network, contributor, uh, baseball contributor over there. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Matt. I'm excited to be in the thick of the conference schedule um, upset about the weekend schedule being canceled this uh, this series this weekend with Pitt but nonetheless we're in the thick of the baseball season so can't get any better than this yeah I myself was pretty excited for what was shaping up to be like a sneaky good uh, conference series against Pitt and of course that ended up getting canceled but we'll dive into that in a moment on the uh, on this episode we've we've got a little bit of a different episode kind of lined up on you we're not going to really dive into a specific po- opponent or preview some of the other uh, like conference matchups down this down the stretch but instead what we are going to look at for uh, this episode we're going to kind of take a gauge of uh, how Louisville is shaping up for postseason play you know it's middle of April uh, May is just around the corner that's uh, the ACC tournament's about a month away from starting and then the uh, NCAA tournament starts late May so it, it's almost that time so we're going to dive in to see how Louisville is shaping up right now what some of their projections are like what they can do to improve their stock and some um, some projections of where they might end up if are they going to host we might not we might they might be able to host and then again it might um, might all be for not but like I said we're going to get into that later in the episode but before we uh, dive into that which we'll, we'll just give a quick recap of how everything kind of transpired since we last recorded so we our last episode we were talking a lot about the home edition of battle of the regress uh well that that one in particular didn't go too great the bullpen kind of had a a bullpen moment how they've had for a lot of the season and then they uh Louisville ended up dropping that uh, game at home 11 to 7 but good news Louisville gave Kentucky their own medicine they walked they uh, walked into Lexington came away with a 12-5 win a game in which they scored what was it 11 runs in the first four innings including a five spot in the first uh, I mean th- that game was was pretty much over in the first few innings so you love to see it especially on your rival's home turf and I think what's more important I mean not to say that the midweek games are not important uh, important excuse me especially against your rival but the two series that they played uh, when they hosted uh, Florida State and they traveled to Virginia, uh, they came away with series wins there. They weren't sweeps, but, but I mean, they did come away with two one victories. You get four additional uh, wins in the conference column. So and in terms of getting set up for the ACC tournament and kind of holding on to your first place uh, standing in both the Atlantic Division and the conference, I mean, you, you can't be mad about that. No, and, you know, especially after the bullpen had struggled, it seems like they've, I don't want to say turn the page, but we have seen improvement over the past couple of weekends. So it's good to see two big uh, series wins in the a- uh, ACC. Um, like I said, sad to don't get to play this weekend against Pitt, but looks like we have turned the corner as we uh, head into the thick of things in the conference schedule. Yeah, I think as as it sits now, I believe Louisville is – Five and one in uh, ACC series. I think that's the number. Look at last. In fact, they haven't lost an ACC series since the opener down at Georgia Tech, and uh, they they had a chance to maybe add one more series win to that ledger if uh, that final game with Notre Dame ever gets played. But 
we'll we'll kind of see if that gets uh, scheduled on down the line. And uh, speaking of uh, scheduling woes, we kind of alluded to it in the uh, beginning of the episode. Uh, Louisville was shaping up to have a really crucial um, matchup uh, hosting the Pitt Panthers, a team that was picked to finish like preseason uh, worst or second worst in the Atlantic division. And they were just by all accounts, just out kicking the coverage and having a really solid season. In fact, they had kind of worked their way um, into the top uh, 15 or 20, I believe, and they were uh, 21st in the nation in RPI. So in terms of uh, setting up for the postseason, which we'll get to in a moment, that was going to be a really crucial series when not only that, but a really exciting one shaping up to be some great baseball. And then uh, you know, our old pal uh, COVID decided to uh, pay us a visit. Uh, yeah, the, the, the virus paid uh, a lot of visits to the basketball programs, the football program. So, of course, it was only a matter of time before it came around to baseball. Now, fortunately, it did not actually, uh, you know, strike the Louisville program. It was uh, it's Pittsburgh that's dealing with COVID issues. So, that, I mean, that's good news there. But still, it's it's never it's, it's let me rephrase that. It's never good news for a team to have COVID. But at least if the, the silver lining is that it, it wasn't Louisville that had these issues because uh, they've already got enough uh, issues like injuries to deal with. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing about this series with Pitt being canceled is when you look at Louisville's schedule, you know, the RPI hasn't been favorable to them this year. And when you lose a game like that against a Pitt team that's right around 20th in the RPI, you really need those games on your schedule for one, to boost your strength of schedule, and two, to boost your RPI. Not saying you're going to definitely win those games, but just playing them, it's going to help your RPI um, and your strength of schedule. So it really hurts losing the three games of Pitt and really the third game at Notre Dame that we're probably not going to get to make up. That's going to be a blow to our RPI as well. Right. Unless they maybe schedule that for a midweek, but at this point I, I highly doubt they do that because unless Louisville just absolutely lays a goose egg against Pitt, that's going to boost your, your overall resume. And we've already alluded to it like several times in the first just few minutes. So let's go ahead and dive right into the, the RPI nitty gritty of sorts and how they can position, how they are currently positioned for postseason play as of right now. So Louisville, as of this recording, is 23 and 11. Very, very solid overall record. 14 and 6 in the ACC. Best uh, best record in the Atlantic Coast Conference. They actually lead Notre Dame, like we said, by a game and a half. Louisville's the only team in the ACC with a conference win percentage of 700 or, or above. But Notre, Notre Dame's right there. They're a game, like I said, game and a half behind at like 0.696. So they're around the hills. It's, it's going to be a a fight to the finish line for the Atlantic division, maybe even that number one overall seed. And a, a lot of, a lot of national folks, despite some of the early hitting struggles and some of the bullpen struggles, this is a team who is still extraordinarily highly regarded by national folks, despite this being a Louisville team with already double digit losses. In fact, uh, baseball America has them ranked as high as the number four team in the country. And I think one or two weeks ago, they had them as the number two team behind only Arkansas, which is the consensus number one team in the nation. Like there's not even a question there. Like Ar- Arkansas is the best team in baseball right now. So to say that Louisville was the second best team, I, if you ask me, that was maybe a little bit of a stretch, but <laughs> because we, we've, yeah, we've so. had this, we've had this conversation a few times, actually <laughs> <laughs> every Monday when all these various baseball polls come out and you see, okay, a lot of them have them ranked around the same number age. 
number range, excuse me. And then there's always one poll with a really extraneous ranking, either really high or really low. And for a few weeks, perfect game was, was that one. Cause whenever, when everyone had Louisville in the round, the six, seven, eight, nine uh, region, somewhere in there. That's, that's when perfect game had Louisville ranked as the number two team. And we just right. looked at each other like, <laughs> what is this? What are they watching? Cause this was when Louisville was having some of their struggles with uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. So to say that they were the number two team in the country then, I don't know what games they were watching it. And now Baseball America has them ranked as number four, which I'm not going to complain about that. I'm sure you're not going to complain about no. that. I'm just simply saying they might be, they might be a little bit of a generous ranking, a but I've already, just a little, yeah, just a little bit of a stretch, but I've already gone off on that tangent long enough. So let's continue. So even with that, that ranking, highly regarded ranking, most, most, of the six major college baseball polls with a 23 and 11 record with a 14 and six in the ACC leading the division, leading the conference. RPI does not like Louisville at all for, for some odd reason, just this entire, this season in general, it's probably could do the just weird nature of scheduling and opponents played whatnot, but RPI has been kind of all over the place, kind of like how the net was in basketball. Uh, Louisville comes in as the 55th ranked team in rpi which for a team that's almost a consensus top 10 team in the nation that's kind of a head scratcher right there but then when you look at their uh strength of schedule that's that doesn't paint the entire picture there but at least you know as as to a reason why rpi is ranked what it is because their sos is only 108th i mean outside of uh conference play there hasn't been a lot of quality opponents and even in conference there are some uh acc programs who we thought were going to be really good and some who and they've kind of had slightly down years like like virginia and nc state now some of those some of those it's covid some of that's injuries some that's just that's baseball but there are a couple of teams in the acc who we thought we were going to be really good and they're just it's it's they're just not there's no other other way to put it well that and you look at you know, look down the schedule and in the games that we've missed here now with Notre Dame and Pitt, those are four games that you really needed to help boost your strength of schedule. You know, look down the schedule with the uh, at Clemson, uh, you know, 80th RPI, uh, Vandy, you know, one of the second the second best team in the country, uh, arguably one of the best teams in the country, probably behind Arkansas. They are the second best with the RPI of seven. Then after that, we've got Duke at 45. So there's really not a whole lot of opportunity because then you go to UNC, who's got an RPI 57, and then finish out with Miami, who is 20th. And Miami has been one of the most bipolar teams of the season. I, I don't know what's going on with them. You know, they start the season in Gainesville and beat Florida. And they've who been was so then hot the number one team, the number one team in yeah. the country to start the season. And since then, they've just been so hot and cold. There's no telling what you're going to get out of Miami every time they take the field. Yeah, you look at the remaining series, and there's really only one that kind of sticks out as one that will you know, actually help your cause out. Pitt was supposed to be that series, like we've said, 21st in RPI. And now that that's off the books, Louisville said in their release when they announced that the series had indeed been canceled and would not be made up, that they were, uh, quote-unquote, actively looking for a replacement opponent for the weekend. I kind of thought to myself, they better find – decent one or at least one that the rpi likes or just take off take off the weekend because we were kind of having this discussion before uh we turned uh, started recording the podcast even if you play someone who you're going to either just completely 
blow out of the water, win 3-0 sweep, or even a, a mid-major who is decent and you win 2-1, some, something to that extent. E- even if you do win the series, if they've got a bad RPI, win or loss, that's it's going to tank the RPI. A perfect example is when um, the 2019 team hosted Alabama A&M, and they, <laughs> let me put this modestly, they dog walked them like game one was 30 something to two or three i think it was 34 to it was 34 to two or three i think you're right it, it was something outrageous this these were video game numbers this is like fire up mlb the show put on rookie difficulty play as the murderers row yankees against uh insert crap bum major baseball team here like it, it was bad and then the other two games in the series they, they combined to score like 30 runs there and then the sweeping obviously the series putting up over 60 runs giving up only like five or so and their rpi ranking absolutely plummeted it yes went down like 50 60 rankings because it had it, not only was alabama obviously not a quality opponent well alabama and m not alabama A&M. excuse me yeah but um, it made the strength of schedule just go in the absolute toilet. So and that I remember, I was I went to one of the games. I didn't go to all three of them because I think I went to the first game. Oh, I was and, there that first. I was and, there the whole and it, series. It, it was it was brutal, and I was like, I there's no reason to come back to this. It was it was it was hard to watch. Here it is. I just pulled it up. Thirty two to one was the Friday night game. Saturday was fifteen to three, and then Sunday was fourteen to three. I remember. Uh, I can't remember who it was that I asked this. But after uh, the press conferences ended, this is when we were still able to record press conferences on the field before, you know, COVID changed everything. But after we had uh, stopped, finished recording the press conference, I just straight up asked one of the players, how, how in the heck did you guys play 30 runs? And just he was brutal and upfront honest and said their fastball looked like our warm-up pitches, like in the cages. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. I remember looking at the um, – the pitch clock, uh, not the pitch counter, the uh, speedometer, and the fast, the starting pitcher's fastball was topping out at like eighty-two miles an hour. <laughs> it, it, it's not to, it's not to insult the, to the team as much and just poop all over them, but for a team like Louisville, yeah, that that is like warm-up pitches thrown at them. It's just a completely different level of baseball. Yeah, just, I know. The, the, the talent discrepancy. Yeah, it, it really was. The talent discrepancy is just so large; it's not even a fun product anymore. It's but not. But long story short, if, if if you don't replace Pitt with someone who could, you know, improve your resume, even if you do lose, there's no use in trying to find another opponent. Even if even Bellarmine, like it wouldn't it wouldn't it would. service Louisville at all to schedule them for another series because one, it'll just tank their SO, SOS and RPI, and two, as we've noted many times in this podcast already. Like th- this, this pitching staff has so many injuries, and the team is just so banged up as a whole that it's probably best for them that they just take the weekend off, get a little bit extra treatment, get a little extra rehab, like fix uh, fix up your various ailments and whatnot. Maybe get a little extra uh, practice in the cages or in the field for some of the guys who continue to have like some defensive lapses, and just get right from a health standpoint and get ready for the next series because Louisville doesn't play a midweek game this upcoming week in fact there there's only one midweek game left on the schedule and that's Vanderbilt 
the rest mm-hmm. is just weekend series from here on out. So if Wolf doesn't find an opponent uh, this weekend, they don't play again until next weekend. So no, that's, that's something that's something floating around Twitter last night and uh, talking about Fairfield, who's number one in the RPI this year. They're 21 and 0. They're undefeated. Um, and they somebody said, Fairfield, whatever you're doing this weekend, cancel your series and go to Louisville. It's obviously not going to happen. But how fun would that be to have Fairfield come in here this weekend and show them what real college baseball is like <laughs> and take three games from them? Yeah, that, that, I would say that would certainly be what Louisville needs, that's for sure. And that I would mean, help our RPI quite a bit. So. Oh, that, that qualifies as like your typical, you know, buy games for a Power Five. Right. I, if I'm Vince Tyree, I'm like, hey, whatever money you want, <laughs> you can have it. Cancel your series and show up. We'll pay your plane tickets, everything. Just come on. <laughs> whatever. I don't know what conference Fairfield is in, but whatever <laughs> conference they're in, call the commissioner. Be like, hey. <laughs> Let's uh, let's make this happen. I'll, I'll I'll throw you something your way. I'll pay the buyout. What, whatever it is, make this happen. And right. it it's funny that you bring up Fairfield because uh, they're we're about to talk about them. Well, not really talk about them, but touch up about them hmm. because transitioning. We're going to talk about a couple of current postseason projections by both uh, Baseball America and D One Baseball, both those respective websites. Uh, they always, um, especially this time of year, they update their um, uh, postseason. Field of sixty-four uh, field of sixty-four projections. Good grief, I cannot talk tonight. And um, they both of these websites have Louisville on different sides. They, they view Louisville in completely different regards. We'll start with Baseball America because they kind of start on the high end. They have Louisville as the number four overall national seed. Obviously, with them being ranked number four, it would make sense to beat them number four in their most recent projection, but. This is who they are projecting for their Louisville regional. Obviously, Louisville is the number one seed, number four overall national seed. They'd be in line to host a Super if they got that far. Number two seed, the Georgia Bulldogs. That that would be a good regional final right there. Because Georgia is a very good SEC team. And their most recent SEC series win, Vanderbilt. And they knocked Kumar Rocker off the mound. Yeah, both like, both Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter were uh, taken to the woodshed this this past weekend, which in case you don't really follow the MLB draft coverage or just, you know, things of that nature very closely. Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, uh, the two of the, the one and two options for Vanderbilt in their starting rotation. I kid you not, they are probably most likely going to be overall number pick one, oh, number one overall pick and then number two overall pick. And we they think are it that was- good. We think it was nice, which it was nice, to have two first-round starting pitchers last year with three Detmers and Bobby Miller. But imagine if you had the top two picks. And like it was nice enough having two in the first round. Yeah. Let alone the best two players in the draft. Yeah, that, that was arguably the best starting rotation in Louisville history and, and maybe even the best pitching staff in Louisville history because you've got a lot of the same guys here minus some of the injuries. and uh, You know, everything's a little bit more normal. Just think about if Reed and Bobby were one and two, how how much better they would have to be than they already were. Because right. Louisville had two first round picks. That's that's nothing to sniff at. A program right. as accomplished as Louisville has been in the last fifteen, <clears throat> excuse me, fifteen years, and that was the first time that they had two pitchers in the first round. That's and then, insane. And Vandy's potentially going to have the first two picks as their Friday and Saturday night starter. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. And we're, we're saying all that just to circle back and say Georgia took them to the woodshed. Mm-hmm. So to have them in Louisville's projection, 
that would not be a an easy task for the Cardinals. That'd be that'd be great baseball. Wouldn't complain about that point at all, but it, it would not be an easy feat right there. And then kind of to round out uh, Baseball America's projection, they have Baylor as the three seed and then Fordham as the four seed with uh, Fordham and Louisville being the automatic qualifiers um, by way of winning their conference tournament. We'll see if Louisville can actually win the ACC tournament this year, but, you know, I digress. Okay, now let's move into D1 Baseball's projection. I kind of said earlier that both Baseball America and D1 Baseball kind of look at Louisville on opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, what I meant was that by that was Louisville was the number four seed by, by Baseball America, and then Louisville is the number 15 seed from D1 Baseball. And, and in case you're not familiar, that's the second to last seed who gets to host a regional. And at that point, you're not even hosting a super regional. So if you advance that far, depending on who, what regional you're matched up against and how that regional shakes out, you're probably not going to host a super. I so, think they actually, they had us paired up with Vandy. Vandy was the two. Oh God. So that's who we would have been paired up with in this scenario. I mean, uh, Louisville's gone to Vanderbilt before and won, we have. won a super. So, I mean, it's not to say it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's not easy. Though, I'll say that much. <laughs> and, and uh, the, the number two seed in that one, Georgia as well. So I guess Louisville and Georgia are just destined to meet, meet up in a regional, I mm-hmm. guess. And uh, number three in that in that projection is Indiana. And Indiana's had a you know an, an all right year. They're good enough to get an at large for the tournament. They're fifteen and eight. Are are could they fall out of the tournament uh, altogether? Maybe depends on how the, their season shakes out. Could they increase their overall stocking? Maybe above the seed? Absolutely. But that just those two those those three pieces alone would make for a great regional and yes, then we, we actually knocked indiana out in 2019 at the regional at jim yep. patterson stadium yep and like i said earlier i mentioned fairfield who is the number four seed in that d1 baseball louisville regional fairfield <laughs> so you've got louisville you've got georgia who just knocked off vanderbilt you've got indiana and then you've got the number one rpi team in the country so uh, that's a it's an interesting regional right there i would I would be all for that. That'd be great baseball all around. Oh yeah, that's a that's a loaded region right there. I'd, and I don't know, but you, I would think that if Fairfield, you know, finishes, I don't see them finishing number one in the RPI. But if they finish that high and win their conference tournament, I just I can't imagine they get a four seed. Maybe I'm wrong. Their strength of schedule has to be abysmal. I think it's thirty four. Their strength of schedule is thirty four. It's thirty four. Yes, that's what I, I don't under, quite understand how they would fall all the way to a four seed with a RPI of one and an SOS of 34. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense at all. I, I, I don't, I don't know there. That's I'm not, I'm not going to proclaim to be an expert in Fairfield baseball. <laughs> I know nothing that, about them. That obviously the guys at D one baseball know more about baseball than either of us. And if they have Fairfield right. before, then I, I I'll question it for a moment, but then I'll come to accept it because they're, <laughs> they're <laughs> Moving on, because none of us know Fairfield baseball now. I'm rumbling. <laughs> uh, to kind of cap off this episode, we yeah, we we talked mostly about positioning for the postseason. Um, let's, I want to transition into some some <clears throat> instead of cap uh, previewing some of the, the series coming up because then again, who is to know that those series might not get canceled either? We want to dive into some you know recent and recurring storylines revolving around the. Uh, Louisville baseball program who to those for those who maybe have not been completely in the know because I know 
I don't know about you, but I've seen countless people talk about how bad the bullpen has been. And to their credit, they're, they're, the bullpen has had plenty of moments. But a lot of contributors in the bullpen have been out for extended time and, and for on and off injuries and whatnot. And not just, uh, you know, freshmen or newcomers or guys who weren't expected to, you know, have a major role. Key contributors in the pitching staff in general, not just the bullpen, have missed time. Like in and, and the most noteworthy one is Glenn Albanese, who was the Friday night ace to start the season and hasn't been in the uh, starting rotation in what two, three weekends now? Three weeks, I think, yeah. I think three weekends. Yeah. And I, I recently talked to the uh the baseball Louisville baseball SID Stephen Williams kind of asked him, hey what's Glenn's prognosis like? And he, he didn't really get too far. Into it. He said it was just an arm issue. Of course, you're not going to divulge too much because you don't want other ACC opponents to kind of figure out what's going on. But he just kind of listed them as week to week, which, you know, if this was early March, that wouldn't be a huge deal, but it's mid-April and there's only a couple, a few weeks left in the regular season to begin with. So when you say he's week to week, he could be coming next weekend when Louisville uh, goes to uh, host Clemson or that could be an end of your thing. We really don't know. And there, so there's Albany's he's, his status is kind of up in the air. Caleb Corbett, who like a couple episodes ago on this podcast, I proclaimed him to be the mid season MVP of this team. Uh, Louisville's breakout freshman closer, who was, who has been lights out to start the season in 17 appearances. He has only one appearance where he gave up an earned run. He he's been shelled for some for a couple of weeks now, and we haven't seen him. Uh, Jared Poland, the good two way guy, both in the field and on the mound, he has not made an appearance at all. Michael Persecki has played what was it one, maybe two uh, midweek games, and we, we haven't, haven't seen him in a long time either. And we haven't seen him. Uh, we talked to Dan McDonald before the season even started. Carrie Wright, the flamethrower who was still working on his a little bit of his command issues, but he was starting to turn a corner from what we were starting to hear. He coach Mac told us that he might be able to come back in the final month and it's starting to get to that time and we haven't seen him yet. And of course we already know about three guys who were out for the year before the year even started Ryan Hawks, Kevin Solomon and Ben Wigman, what their role was going to be. We don't really know. It's kind of hard to speculate because, you know, we never got to see much of them period in the last like year or so, but the, the pitching staff has taken significant hits, especially the bullpen. And while the bullpen has had plenty of moments where they rightfully deserve a little bit of criticism for some of their performances, to be fair, some of the best pieces in the staff have not been available because of injuries. And it's not like they've just been out for, you know, a week or a couple games. You know, we've had guys that have been out for extended periods of time. You know, Albany's missed – was it two starts with COVID earlier in the year? Two starts with COVID, yep. And, you know, then he came back and then he got hurt. So, you know, this is the second time that Albany's has been out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Corbett's been, like you said, he's been out for a extended period of time. It's not like these guys are just missing a weekend or something. You know, they're missing weeks and some of them months or even out for the whole year. So, yeah, you know, there's, it, it's hard to have a backup plan when your backup plans hurt as well. Right. And and who's to say once some of these guys do come back that they're going to be back to their full selves? Because we're not entirely sure like, what Albanese's arm injury is and how major or minor it is and whether or not he's going to be able to, once he does 
get back into the lineup, whether or not he's going to be, you know, on his A game. Cause I know in the, in that first game back from COVID uh, he didn't have that great of a game. Of course he, he uh, responded with a couple of good starts after that and good appearances after that. But who's to say that's not going to happen again. Who's to say Caleb corporate doesn't give up, you know, three earned runs in 0.1 innings pitched and blow a save in his first appearance back, whatever, from whatever injury is. Who's to say Jared Poland doesn't, you know, whiff on a routine ground ball out in the field or just completely swings and misses at the plate, you know, th- things of that nature. So it's like you said, it's it's hard to have any sort of game plan for the pitching staff when half of your staff is not even consistently available. Well, and this year with the lack of midweek games that we have, when they do come back, it's not like we have, dare I say it, games against Moorhead or EKU or somebody like that, that we can afford to, you know, slowly add them back into the rotation. We don't have midweek games anymore except Vandy. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't know, really you, can't really throw out a like can't can't really have a get right yeah. game against Vanderbilt that yeah. doesn't exist. Here, Caleb Corbett, uh, go take on Vandy right now. Tied game in the ninth inning. You know we we don't have those games to transition them back into the ACC play because all you have left is Vandy and conference games now. So it's it's going to be hard to really slow them back into the the rotation. Yeah, but but if there's anyone who can kind of guide this pitching staff on the right path and hopefully lead them on the correct direction. It's, it's Roger Williams. He's one of the, he's one of the best assistant coaches in the nation for a reason. He's one of the best pitching coaches in the nation for a reason. So, excuse me, I have complete and total trust and faith in him that he's going to be able to get these guys on the right track. And it's just kind of a wait and see mode at this point. You kind of can't, you don't want to force some of these guys to come back from injury because you you risk having a longer (laughs) You, you risk giving them long-term and even more long-term injuries and prolonged setbacks than what they have now. So you just kind of yeah, have I've to roll with what you have. I know a lot of fans this year have been frustrated with the pitching staff and the bullpen, but you know, it, Roger Williams, like you said, he's one of the best coaches in the country. If anybody can, you know, turn the ship around, we've got the right guy at the helm to do it. I saw someone call for Roger Williams to get fired the, uh, the other weekend and, yeah, I, I saw that on Twitter, and I, I, I didn't, I couldn't respond. There was nothing to say. I, I didn't respond either because it was one of those instances where if you don't, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I, <laughs> I try, I try and be as cordial as possible, just because you know I don't want to <laughs> make myself look bad when it because just because of the attention that I bring covering the various programs. But that I one think, almost got a rise from me. I think, it, it, uh, I think Roger Williams has a pretty good track record. I think he deserves a little bit more than that. Yeah, because some some of the struggles here, while while the while some pitchers have you know had bad moments, a lot of what has happened this year out of the bullpen has not been his fault, and just no. the pitching staff in general. But um, not everything is all doom and gloom around Louisville. Let's let's not act like there's a because um, if there's if Louisville's going to be able to make uh, any sort of noise uh, in the postseason or down the stretch in the regular season or maybe and to make a run to get to Omaha, they're going to need a complete and total team effort from all of their guys and throughout a lot of the season there have been some guys who are kind of up and down up and down not really being uh getting a consistent you know streak going but several guys on this Louisville team who were kind of needing some of those breakout moments to have prolonged success are starting to find them and it's kind of hard to to not touch on this subject about you know turning a proverbial corner 
without first mentioning Alex Manilis, because you and I both know <clears throat> how bad he was struggling to start the season. Like at some point, his batting average was 0. 0.048, not 0. 0.480, 0. 0.048. Like his, he, he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. And now he, he can, he can hit everything and anything thrown his way. <clears throat> he's, he's gotten his batting average all the way up from 0. 048 to 259. In fact, he's all, he's actually leading the team in home runs and RBI with 10 homers and 42 runs batted in. And for half the season up to this point, he wasn't doing anything. In okay. fact, he, he actually made a position switch just to kind of, you know, experience, give him something new to experience. Like he, he was a, he's been the third baseman since 2019. He's been first base for what, three fourths of the season now. Right. I think the most impressive thing about what he's done this year is it was going into the ACC play was when he struggled so much, it was against the lesser opponents. And so he's really been tearing it up against ACC pitchers. So that's that's kind of when his numbers started taking off as we got into conference play. So I don't know if it's a thing he just can't hit the guys that you know don't throw as hard when you're playing the games before the conference starts because he did the same thing um, a couple of years ago. He started mm-hmm. off the season kind of slow and then ended up having a All American year. So I don't know wherever he plays next year if they just want to let him sit out the first you know, 20 games or so. and then play. <laughs> Right. Or be, be the DH or something like that. Uh, he, he, he strikes me as one of those guys who perform, performs the best when the lights shine the brightest and yes. goes up against the, the best competition. And, and that's who you want on right. your team. That, that's who Louisville needs. That's who Louisville has had for majority of their tenure under Dan McDonald. And, and how, how good has Benel has been recently? Well, he's got 39 RBI in his last 21 games, which that alone is already a phenomenal stat. But in the last eight games, he has been on an otherworldly tear. Like he, he, he's like seeing a beach ball at the plate. In his last eight games, he's 14 for 36, is batting 389 with six home runs and 20 RBI in eight games. A reminder. There have been 35 games this season. Louisville's 23 and 11. And Alex Pinellas has six of his 10 home runs and 20 of his 42 RBIs in about a fourth of the season. <laughs> just that's, that's insane. I said, what you, he's been doing as of late, it's just, it's just been silly. I mean, it, like you said, it, it's like he's seeing a beach ball up there. It's kind of like how he ended the season two years ago. Just, Anything they threw at him, it seemed like every other bat he was hitting a home run. Right. It's just you at some point you kind of run out of adjectives to describe how he's performing at this point. You, you really do because any time, every time I see him do something like like he did in Virginia, where he literally hit a home run that broke the score, the top of the <laughs> scoreboard, and it wasn't one of those scoreboards that's barely fifteen feet off the ground. No, this this mamma jamma was fifty feet in the air. And he hit the top of this, the very top of this. I left a visible mark. I really wish that Virginia tracked the, uh, the, the measurements on those home runs like Louisville does, because that that thing had to be at least four hundred fifty feet. It had yeah, to have been. I don't understand why they don't do that. I was listening to Sean Moth and w- when he was talking about that, I didn't realize that schools didn't track distance of home runs. I just were just spoiled, I guess, in Louisville. 
yeah by them doing it but i didn't realize that that was a thing but i, I really I, I think you're right that ball was probably hit at least 450 feet and he, he's had several blasts this season where it's just a no doubter like you don't even have to guess if it's a homer or not as soon as it comes off the bat you, you just know yeah because especially when you're swinging that metal bat when when you make contact with a ball it's the point where it sounds like he's swinging a wood bat <laughs> that's it's when gonna you, go a long way oh yeah that's and if you if you sound if you hear that kind of metallic twang in that base hit yeah he he could have squared it up a little bit or he could have done something if if he hits that thing and he it sounds like he's got like a maple uh, louisville slugger at that you you know he got every stitch of that that ball but uh enough about Pinellas because of course he's not been the only one uh who's starting to turn a corner especially at the plate Let's let's talk about Dalton rushing for a second. He he's he's really came on the last uh, week or so. He's up to two seventy seven for the year, four home runs, fourteen RBI. In his last four games alone, he's he's done really well. Eight for sixteen, batting five hundred, had three home runs, ten RBI. Kind of like Alex Benellis was, uh, has been in the last couple weeks, where a majority of his stats up to this point have just come in the last you know part of the month. Like in his last in his last four games, he's had three of his four uh, home runs on the season and ten of his fourteen RBI, and so with how the the pitching staff has kind of struggled a little bit at times, you're going to need all of your position guys in the lineup to be able to give you effort. Like you can't just have your star players like an Alex Pinellas or a Henry Davis or even a Trey Leonard just produce produce all your runs or hits or home runs or or things of that nature, your walks, stolen bases, like if you're including Leo Osh in the mix, you've got to have your um, your six, your seven, your eight, and your nine guys in the lineup contribute to it. You've got to have your your Dalton Rushings, your Cooper Bowmans, your Christian Knapsacks. Nap, knapsacks, good grief. I I can't believe I did that. <laughs> I, I, I get on commentators for calling him Knapsack, and I just <laughs> – you've got to have your Christian Knapsacks and other players of that ilk contribute to the cause as well. And it's a great sign that Louisville is starting to get to that point. Not that they weren't already this at, but it's, it's great to see some of those guys who are a little bit further in the lineup. were not as well renowned as, you know, the Davises, the Nellis and people like that starting to like to get theirs at the plate. And I'm real excited for Dalton just because, you know, coming to Louisville, he was pretty highly recruited out of Tennessee and had a lot of pure power. We haven't seen a ton of it, you know, a little bit over the short season last year and a little bit this year, but this is kind of what we thought we were going to see more out of Dalton was a lot of power, and he's gotten the opportunity the past couple games with taking over for Masterman in the DH role, and he's really taken advantage of it and kind of given the staff, you know, the the opportunity that he really can't take him out of the lineup the way he's hitting the ball right now. Right, and there's there's a couple guys who are like that. Christian Napchuk was kind of like that for a while. The, right. the only reason you can even remotely think about that is maybe just to put him in the DH role or something like that, mm-hmm. because there have been times in the field mm-hmm. where he's, he's got that like really short arm throwing motion where he mm-hmm. kind of yips the ball. But that's the only defensive complaint that I have of him, because I remember before the season even started, you and I were talking to Coach Mack, and he said that he, rem- <laughs> he reminds him of Devin Hess- Harrison. Yeah, and when you and I are both that, like, I was like, "Wow, what? Whoa, that's that's a that's one of the best defenders in Louisville history." There, that's oh some, yeah, that's some high praise. And j- just seeing the glove work by Napchek out the field, I can, I can see why he did the comparison. He just needs to clean up the uh, 
to throw to first base a little bit and he can be, you know, an all all ACC defensive team type of player, but he's only a freshman. I'll give him a little bit of slack there. I'm sure he'll get it correct. He's starting to get it corrected. He's not committing as many defensive errors. Louisville in general is not committing as many defensive errors as they were in the first month of the season. So, you know, progress. And let's, and I'm going to throw a bone to the pitching staff because we've kind of criticized them enough. Someone else who's starting to turn a corner and, I cannot be happier to see this guy in particular have a couple great outings back to back because there is no one on the staff who deserves it more to have a good performance or to be able to come back like he did than Luke Smith. Luke Smith came back to Louisville uh, after declining the option to sign an undrafted free agent contract. He wanted to come back to Louisville, contend for maybe that Friday night spot once uh, Reed Detmers and Bobby Miller departed. Didn't end up getting getting that. Uh, it was in favor of Glenn Albanese and Adam Milliot. Adam, Adam Milliot eventually went back to the bullpen. Michael Kieran ended up uh, making the opposite move, going from a lever to starter. He ended up he ended up becoming the Friday night ace. And then Luke kind of struggled for a little bit. He was bumped down to the midweek role, and a couple of those midweek games, he just flat out didn't look good. It, and it left me kind of wondering, I. I is he going to be able to come back from this? Cause he just doesn't look like his old self. It doesn't look like, you know, the Vanderbilt eight and one thirds innings deep Luke, who's just gutsy and just pouring, just, just giving it all he's got and just some nasty stuff. And now in the last couple outings, he's starting to look like the, the Luke Smith of old uh, against UVA, his most recent outing, he went seven innings deep. It was his first quality start since um 2020 since he was in the uh the sunday role for that squad he he went seven innings deep threw up six strikeouts only gave up seven hits no walks only gave up a pair of earned runs like i said quality start and then before that he went five and uh five and uh and an out five strikeouts four hits four walks and he did give up four earned runs but it's against the florida state team who louisville has historically struggled against especially since joining the acc so that's that's you can't really ask too much more of him than that, and it, it seems like he's starting to set up, set himself in a position to where he's going to have a phenomenal, phenomenal final month of the regular season. Yeah, I'm real excited for Luke. I think, um, you know, he's he's an anchor to this staff. You know, Sundays has been a big day for Coach McDonald. You know, since joining the ACC, we've dominated Sundays, and if he's going to be the Sunday guy, like he was against Virginia. You know, we're going to need him going forward, and we're going to need him in the um, regional this year too. So mm-hmm. uh, just really excited for Luke. Um, hopefully he's turned the corner, um, going to build his confidence back up and start to, you know, show us, you know, what he uh, did to Vandy a couple of years ago. Maybe we can right. see that on a consistent basis. Because if we can get – obviously we're not going to get that out of him every time he goes out on the mound. But, you know, if you can get some variation of that every time Luke goes out on the mound for a Sunday starter – you're going to win the game nine times out of 10. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for. Just give him, give your best, maybe not have like horrible outing every other time, but put the team in a position to win. And you can't really ask that much more out of a starting pitcher. Just trust, trust your defense, trust that your offense is going to be able to answer the run that you might've just given up. And more often than not, you might come away with, you'll probably come away with a victory. At least. Especially on Sundays. You know, if he's yeah. a Sunday starter, Louisville's going to score a bunch of runs on, on Sundays just because the pitchers that they're facing isn't going to be 
as good as the pitchers that they see on Friday and Saturday. So they're going to score a bunch of runs on Sunday. So it's not like he's got to go out there and throw eight and a third inning gym every time. So we don't need that. Just go out there, hold the team to three, four runs through seven innings. Give us a chance to win. We're probably going to score more runs than that. Yeah. And and if everyone else on the team and on the pitching staff or the position guys or people who are fielding out in the defense, if they just put Louisville in a position to succeed and and everyone does their part, Louisville should be able to finish this this regular season strong and put themselves in a good position for the ACC tournament. They're, as we've said earlier in the podcast, they're in line to receive the number one seed, but they've got to hold off a couple, um, a couple hot ACC teams like a Notre Dame, who is just a game and a half behind Florida State, even though Louisville won that series, they're still just a few games behind them. Virginia Tech looks good as of late. We've mentioned Pitt before, even though we're not going to play Pitt. They're still a really good squad who could easily go on a late season run. So while Louisville has that number one spot, nothing's set in stone, especially with a, with a month left. I mean, how many times have we seen late collapses from a lot of teams late in the season? And whatever projection we had a month from a month ago is completely irrelevant. It's like we, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Both baseball America and D one baseball have Louisville as a national seed. Who's to say that Louisville doesn't go lay a goose egg against Clemson against Miami, UNC or Duke, or potentially potentially lose two of those four ACC series to put them out of contention for the number one spot. Who's to say that's going to happen. I, I, I can't really envision that happening because I, I I truly do think that they can take the series from Duke to UNC. Miami is going to be a tough ask because mm. it depends on what Miami team shows up. To be quite honest, if this right. if the Miami team that beat Florida shows up, I can easily see Louisville losing that series just because Miami's just that good. I mean, we saw what Mi- Miami did to Louisville um, a couple of years ago during that torrential downpour hurricane series. <laughs> but so we'll, we'll see. And plus. They still have Vanderbilt, and that, that's going to be a good barometer uh, for how they could be set up in, you know, games that could decide your postseason fate. Like and there have been, there have been several, there have been a couple instances, especially in the that 2019 regional where Louisville had a couple losses early, and or had a loss early, excuse me, and uh, they were put themselves in a position where they had to win what was it, two, three games in a row to be able to advance, mm-hmm. and at some point those those midweek games you know kind of emulate what some of those some of those games are like so and who's to say this game against Vanderbilt couldn't be an indicator as to what this Louisville's potential Louisville team's potential is if they do put themselves in that situation and not to get too caught up in what Notre Dame's doing but they're right on our heels you look at their ACC schedule you know the only they've got Boston College who's got a losing record North Carolina Mm, they're 18 and 16 and then they close out with Florida State and Virginia Tech so their last six games of the season they got you know Florida State and Virginia Tech who Virginia Tech has really come on this season surprised a lot of people they've got six games in the conference that you know they they could have a losing record in those games so if Louisville just you know takes care of business and plays Louisville baseball they should be fine and should win their side of the conference but there's a lot of baseball left to be played Oh, there's a lot of really good baseball left to be played, and I, I can't wait to get out to the ballpark, cover it, watch it. it, it it's going to be an exciting finish, that's for sure. It's Nothing's guaranteed, especially in this league, so it's, it's going to be exciting to see how this pans out, not just in the Atlantic Coast Conference, but nationally, because there's a lot of strong you know, national teams this year. 
I'm excited to see if Mississippi State can, you know, make a run, if Ole Miss, if if Arkansas can, can you know, win their first title. I, I hope not. I hope Louisville does. But <laughs> but to see a, a team like Arkansas do what they're doing, it's, it's insane. It's I, I can't wait for the postseason to get started. But we, we will talk about that once the postseason gets a little bit closer and actually starts gearing up and starting. We'll, we'll have an episode dedicated solely for the ACC tournament. I don't know about you, but I plan on going to Charlotte. I know. I was planning on going to Charlotte last season before COVID struck, but I'm I'm damn sure making that trip this year because that, that ballpark is beautiful. Uh, you you've seen the pictures, right? Is that, it a backdrop down there? Is absolutely oh gorgeous. Oh my god, the backdrop is phenomenal. It's gorgeous. Can't wait. And and I went in 2019 when it was still in Durham, and I had a phenomenal time. So you you, you better believe I'm going back. So <laughs> we've talked about going down there, but with the with the little one, we're gonna we're trying to make it work, but. We'll see. So uh, to be determined on that. <laughs> Regardless of uh, who all goes down to, to Charlotte for the ACC tournament, we you can best bet that you can hear from both of us gas bags. We're going to have plenty of coverage coming your way from me on my site, from you on your site, and from both of us on this lovely podcast. That's Once right. again, this has been the third and central podcast, a Louisville baseball-specific podcast hosted on the State of Louisville Network. As always, I'm Matt McGavick. Deputy Editor of Louisville Report, the Sports Illustrated team channel for Louisville Athletics. And Matt, where can they find you as well? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefkovic and at cardinalsports.com, part of the Rivals Network. And recently I have joined the College Baseball Nation team at College Ball Nat on Twitter. He's got fantastic stuff over there. You're doing a really good job covering some of those stuff. Uh, some of those bigger series across college baseball doing a phenomenal job exposing college baseball to a more broad audience. That's, that's something I really hope that this sport can develop in the next couple of years. Or so be, be a little bit more mainstream. I'm not going to ask too much because it, you know, it's a gradual process, but you know, it, it's making progress. It, it's, it's growing. It's, getting there. it's growing. Um, but I, I think um, it could, it has a potential to grow a lot more. There's a lot of viewers out there that aren't tuning in, especially this time of year. It's kind of the we're entering the dog days of the summer. What else to do? Watch college baseball. Right, let's. We just got to get ESPN and Fox, right? And, all the, and Fox of uh, Sports to be able to actually put them on a you know TV channel and not put just, it on TV. Know, that would be nice. Not just ACC Network Extra every every other game or whatnot. But that's another discussion for another day for another episode. Once again, I'm Matt McGavick, joined by Matt Zakovic, and in the immortal words of Sean Moth, we'll see you at the ballpark.